All right, church, let's turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 to 33. We're celebrating Advent. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I'll read it for us. This is God's Word, starting at verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. This is God's word so far. So the physician, by the name of Luke, sets the stage for the birth of Jesus Christ. And it happens to be that a messenger, an angel, is dispatched from God himself to a virgin, a teenager, most likely about 14 or 15 years old. That is my first daughter's age, right around that age. And the angel shows up and says, hi, greetings. Verse 29 reads, and she was Greatly troubled. Greatly troubled. Well, in our common lingo, that translation would be better put. She was freaking out. Verse 29, Mary was frightened, terrified, terrified. And this is just at the hello, at the greetings. I mean, who here would not be terrified if an angel of God is sent to your town and shows up to you and says hi. Now I want you to notice that Mary is frightened from hello even before the angel continues to speak and prophesy of such almost outrageous things. And by all human rationale, Mary has every reason to fear. It just gets worse. Here's what the angel promises. You are going to be pregnant. You are going to conceive. Well, we heard last week, she's not married yet. I'm very sure that in Mary's day and age, they don't have IVF yet, in vitro fertilization yet. She's not married yet. She's betrothed, somewhat like engaged to Joseph. How are people really going to believe her? What's going to happen to her reputation? Probably most pressing, most concerning to Mary in her betrothal is how will Joseph believe her? How will the man whom she loves and the one who has promised to marry her, how is he going to continue to take her in? Because you do know the only answer Mary has to Joseph, when Joseph comes and finds out, how are you pregnant? She's going to have to say something like, really, I swear. It's a God thing. An angel told me God would do this. No, 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 no. It's really not what you think. 
I know it defies all biology, all common sense, all human rationale. It's not what you think. I beg of you to believe me. This is a God thing. And this is why our Pastor Daniel Dinko course in Matthew's gospel, reading the same passage, we did not plan to talk about the same passage. Of course, we emphasize different themes. When reading, Dinko read, and Joseph was unwilling to put her to death. He made that mistake, but actually I could totally understand the mistake because that is a grave sin. To bear a child out of wedlock, loaded with consequences. And I know that in this day and age, if you stop and think about it, all of us are very concerned about our reputations, what people think and say about you. But can I tell you that sometimes what people think or say about you, your reputations might have been somewhat ruined, but it's based on truth. Some of it actually might be based on truth. Oh, so-and-so is like this, and did you hear about that? And word travels, and sometimes that word does travel based on truth. Look at Mary. Her reputation is going to be completely soiled, destroyed, maybe irreparable, of the lowest disrepute, and it's not based on any truth. Because an angel decided to show up and tell her, hello, and now you're going to conceive, you're going to get pregnant. It just gets even worse from that point. The angel tells her, well, you're going to give birth to a son. And in verse 31, you shall call his name Jesus. You shall name him Jesus. This is a first-time parent, first son, first child. Christ Central does have a mother's manual. I understand I'm going to try to revise and update that. And manuals are extremely helpful. They're great from experienced moms. It's wonderful we have a church community that helps first-time parents, but nothing will adequately totally help you and prepare you as first-time parents. It's overwhelming, sleep-depriving, anxiety-inducing. And for Mary, a first-time mom with their first child, the angel says, well, you don't even get to name them. Here's what that suggests. Here's what that means. Naming is an expression of authority, creative origins, mastery. Naming is some kind of expression of you have some control, some ownership. Here, the angel is prophesying, well, the baby in your womb is a lot, 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 lot older and wiser and stronger and powerful and creative. You're not going to have much control over anything here, Mary. You don't have control over gender. You don't have control over timing. You don't have control even over his name or his destiny. Mary, not only will you be pregnant, but you're not going to be able to name your child. There's every reason for Mary to be frightened and to fear. Oh, and then the prophecy in verses 31 and 32 and 33, he finishes this way, the angel. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Mary, you're going to give birth to and raise a great son. In fact, so great, it sounds like divinity. Mary, you're going to give birth to a son, but it's not actually someone else's son. And the name of the other person who really owns and is the father of the son is called the Most High. Mary, you're going to have to learn to raise and grow 
eternity somehow. His reign shall have no end. Royalty will come out of your womb. First time parent, can't name your child. You don't have much control or say over anything. And you have to mother someone so great that it sounds like his royalty and his reign will never end. Next Christmas Sunday, as I have one of the greatest honors and pleasures to celebrate God's grace that comes to us before time in the infant baptism, we've got 19 infant baptisms lined up. What a wonderful time that'll be. Most here, some over at Artesia. My wife, Sunny, and some of our staff have been now pleading and protesting to me, pastor, pastor, this time, you cannot hold each child. You cannot do the Lion King ceremony with each child. You cannot parade them around. We don't have the time. But they're much more concerned than about just timing. They're concerned, of course, rightfully so, as my wife has been. What in the world happens if you, if you trip? Or you drop one? You will utterly ruin and reverse one more for the gospel. I assure you, Mother Mary was anxious and scared and worried about things like this at least. At least. Mary, I want you to give birth to a son who will be so great. I want you to raise a God-man who will go on to rule forever and ever. His kingdom will have no end. And so, this is why, after the hello, and even before the angel spells out all the things that would cause even more fear, the angel commands, do not be afraid. Don't fear. Don't be afraid. It is the most repeated command throughout all of the entirety of the Bible, at least 150 times. And notice how the angel who came and said, greetings, O favored one, is already trying to start as, as, as graciously and as softly as possible. Oh, favored one means God did not come down to deal with you on justice. God did not come down to deal with you with equity. God did not come down to deal with you just on plain economic terms. No, he came down with favor for you. That means he's being gracious. And every time he deals with you, Mary, it will be full of grace. So don't be so afraid. Now, a lot of us in this room, you can issue that to someone else as a command to our kids, maybe in the military, maybe you have a, a distressing, anxious trial up ahead, and you want to charge someone, your brother, your sister in Christ, and say, don't be afraid, and you kind of shout it. You say it really loud, or you say it abruptly. Can I tell you, sometimes when you do it that way, you, when you issue do not be afraid as a command, actually it creates more fear? If all you do is shout it at someone and say, this is another law or duty, you're not really man enough, you're not brave enough if you can't do this. If you just give it as a command, I don't know if it really helps you to fear less. Notice what the angel does. Notice what God always does. He says, greetings, O favored one. And then the angel goes on to say, the angel never says it as a command. The angel says, do not be afraid, and the Lord is with you. God always gives it as comfort. And the greatest comfort is when God tells you, do not be afraid, is God himself says, I will go and I will always, always be with you.
So you know, in this season, there's so many greater reasons to not be afraid. There's so many more reasons to not be afraid of anything. For Jesus Christ was born. Jesus Christ will be born to Joseph and Mary, number one, in fulfillment of the scriptures. Mary, you don't have to be so, so afraid because Jesus will be born in fulfillment of the scriptures. Mary knew the ancient scriptures. Mary had a background in the Bible. Mary had data in her subconscious. Mary had promises that God had made that she could fall back on. This is very important. And so for sure, she knew the promise of prophet Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 14. And again, in this Christmas season, it's great. Prophet Isaiah's prophecy is going to appear on Hallmark cards or even on a commercial sometimes or on greeting photos. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son. That's what Isaiah said 700 years before Mary. Mary knew that prophecy. The only thing is she had not figured out yet that that was going to be her. You see, as fear-inducing and as outrageous as it is for an angel to show up to a teenager, a virgin, and then proceed to say, you are going to be pregnant even as a virgin, I'll tell you this, though. For Mary, who knew the scriptures, knowing Isaiah's prophecy, it actually wasn't that crazy. Without the scriptures, Mary would have just been scared and overwhelmed. The scriptures provide a basis for real faith. The scriptures always give you some allowance and rationale why you could believe. For the birth of Jesus Christ, in fulfillment of all scriptures, calms our doubts and disappointments, answering the question of how can I believe? How can I believe? A good friend of mine, a missionary that we used to support by the name of Joe Kim in Japan, posted something I thought so endearing this week. He talks about when he was a little, little child. I don't know how old he was, but it sounds like he was very young. Grew up in Chicago. Both of his immigrant parents were out all day, worked all day, mom and dad, and his dad would take MBA classes at night. So on a typical day, his parents would never come back home until 10 p.m. Joe was used to taking care of himself and his younger brother. He said he would usually make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for dinner. But he remembers that his youngest uncle, who moved from South Korea to Chicago to complete his undergraduate college studies, would regularly visit their home. And he would come and he would cook ramen for them. He would take them to the movies. He would teach them baseball. Joe's youngest uncle would regularly come every weekend and every vacation he had. That's according to his records. Because he knew how lonely these boys were. Well, that trip, every time, was four hours round trip by bus. And we're talking about the dead of winter sometimes in Chicago. Joe goes on to say, working in South Korea now, his youngest uncle happens to pastor a church he happens to be my mom's favorite preacher in the world. And Joe says, he's the busiest man I know, but to this day, he always makes time for me. 
And Joe, I will tell you as my friend, has learned to trust, learned to not be as cynical, has learned that God is for real in keeping his promises through his youngest uncle. Because his youngest uncle has always been present, trustworthy, true. In any relationship, when someone promises something and delivers over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, it's almost predictable. You'd be shocked if that person did not come through. Oh, what kind of faith and trust is born? My friends, Jesus Christ was born to fulfill at least hundreds of prophecies, hundreds of years old, all the way down to the detail. God showed up in the birth of Jesus Christ to show once and for all that every promise will be kept. Every prophecy will be fulfilled. Everything that God has said will be amen and amen and amen in His Son, Jesus Christ. You don't have to fear or doubt too much because the birth of Jesus Christ shows God keeps His word faithful and true. Oh, Luke's gospel also tells us that Jesus was born fully, fully human. Yes, he was, a human baby. He entered history and creation, and astounding for us to think that the first moment that baby Jesus came into this world, he had to suck and desperately need air. Baby Jesus needed clothing. Baby Jesus needed milk. Baby Jesus needed to be fed. Baby Jesus needed to be cleaned, cleaned up over and over and over and over again. God and Jesus decided to enter into history in our world by becoming vulnerable, utterly needy. Jesus entered our lonely frailty, answering the question, who's with me? The birth of Jesus calms our doubts and disappointments of how can I believe, but you see the fully, fully human baby Jesus, he answers the question of who's with me, who's with me? And evidently for Jesus, my friends, evidently for Jesus, please consider this in this season especially, it was better for him to come into a world certain to be full of trouble and sorrow and even death to have you than to have a world without sorrows and pain or suffering and death without you. Somehow for Jesus, he chose that it's better to enter this world and this time and space and to end up in a way that you and I deserve to get you and have you into eternity than to have untouched, unpolluted paradise without you. How about you? For Jesus to be born fully human of a virgin Mary was God's ordained plan. It's God's purpose to save the world. He had to be fully human. Well, you know, on this note, that also means then it was God's ordained plan for Jesus to be born of Virgin Mary. That is his plan that he had to be fully human. Well, so is all motherhood then. Fellow ladies and future moms, all motherhood is a God-ordained plan. And it doesn't have to be biologically your own children. All covenant children, all children of the world 
You know, increasingly, as both of my daughters, I call them screenagers now. That's what someone said. Screenagers is a better title for this generation. As they get older and older and older, I increasingly used to joke, oh, the bad dimensions, bad characteristics, oh, that's so like you, and all the good ones were like me. Now I find that they're becoming so much more like mom, and I thank God for that. I thank God for that. The ones probably who spent most time and nurtured and invested invested in your children, or probably have the most imprints. And a lot, of, a lot of times, those are moms. Here's how I know this. At the end of this passage, after all the frightening things that the angel prophesies, Mother Mary says, let it be. Let it be according to your word. There's a sweet surrender. Mary gives up her life, all the controls, And she trusts and obeys the will of God, not her own. I don't think it's a coincidence that let it be done according to your word appears on the lips of her son, Jesus, when he grows up, when he goes to a cross, and he says the exact same thing. And I do want to say to brothers, younger brothers, um, you got to be very prayerful and choose very wisely and godly and careful. Children most likely end up just like their moms. It's God's ordained ministry and plan. Do not be afraid, for Jesus was born in fulfillment of all the scriptures. Do not be afraid, for Jesus was born fully human. Third, last but not least, he has a title. He has another description. He's the son of the most high. Mary, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and he will be great, so great. He is the son of the Most High. I thank God all the time for trusted confidants, companions who I can unwind with, be honest with, I don't have to be a pastor with, who endure and are forgiving and show me things about Jesus that I could never see apart from them. Wonderful to have friends like that. But it'd be even better if one of my friends were like the president of the United States. Although that would be troublesome these days. So a president back in the 60s or 50s. It'd be really better if one of your friends was an emperor or a princess or a king. Enormously wealthy and powerful and connected and resourceful that that person can almost do anything you want. Jesus will arrive again as sovereign king and lord of all. Answering the question of what does the future hold? The Son of the Most High. I like Christmas season because of Celine Dion. I like Christmas season because of Bohemian Rhapsody turned into a gospel lyrics. I like Christmas season for so many things. Not I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus though. That's like the rock bottom example. But here's one of the weaknesses or things I don't like about Christmas. We get so used to looking back at the birth of Jesus. The first Advent Christmas season gets all Christians basically focused upon, let's celebrate all how Jesus was born back in that manger. But Christian faith, based upon the entirety of the Holy Scriptures, also looks forward, forward. We shouldn't just look back to baby Jesus. We should anticipate and look forward to the fully grown up Jesus. We shouldn't just celebrate the first advent. We need to anticipate his second advent. 
So don't just look inside a dusty manger, that nice little endearing scene. You got to learn to look up at the throne too. Don't just think about his humility and vulnerability and smallness and meekness. Christian people ought to look at his authority and absolute glory and judgment to come for all the world. Please don't just think about Jesus as a baby. Please don't just worship Jesus as he once was. We have to look and worship Jesus as he is today and as he will be as he comes back into eternity future. For the angel prophesied to Mary, his reign, his kingdom will have no end. No end. Everything else will end. He has no end. He has no end. Politics will end. Separations will end. Losing loved ones will end. Heartache will end. Diseases will end. Injustices will end. Governments are going to end. Your money's going to end. Companies will end. Even churches, physically speaking, will end. All of it will come to an end. But the reign and the rule and the righteousness and the joy and the peace and the glory of Jesus Christ shall have no end. Ever. Ever. How does an angel tell a teenage virgin girl, don't be afraid? Because not only was Jesus born fully human, he is coming back and he's going to ride on the clouds and he will show all the world Without any dispute, he was and is the Son of the Most High. The Son of the Most High. Don't fear. Don't be so afraid. You know, we just finished finding and following Jesus with all kinds of feelings. One of the themes was that there are Christian people who make too little of their feelings, don't pay attention to it at all, and in fact, that gets in the way of you finding and following Jesus. Then there are a lot of other Christian people who make way too much of your feelings, and you're led by your feelings. You're not finding and following Jesus, you're following your feelings. But perhaps the one emotion we skipped intentionally might be the greatest one. It's fear. Do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. And we have a real-life example in real time today. Last week or so, a church by the name of Early Rain Covenant Church in Chengdu, China, was ransacked, detained, over 100 congregants. I understand there are about 500 who worship there, but 100 were detained. And they took away their pastor by the name of Wang Yi. Now, Wang Yi is no newcomer to the scene. He's not just some backwoods guy that you've never heard of. In 2006, or 2004, excuse me, he was voted of the top 50 public intellectuals in China. 2008, he made a trip all the way to Washington, D.C., where he was awarded the prize for the contribution to promoting religious freedom. To me, he's new. And so I got to hear two of his sermons this week. One sermon entitled, Praising God for three marvelous things that God has done in 2018. Pastor Yi preached this. Number one, God has done a marvelous thing to increase persecution from the Chinese government 
against these underground churches because that's the only way that's going to bring about a revival of the gospel. Pastor Wang said, it is good that persecution and hardship come to Christian people so that we can never stay so comfortable and it'll force us to be revived in the gospel. A second marvelous thing, according to Pastor Wang, is uh, he called out the Pope. The Pope of the Catholic Church. And he says how he has compromised himself with his country. I don't know exactly what that means. And the third marvelous thing that God has done in 2018, according to him, is the leader of the three-self church, the three-self church, which is the state-sanctioned church. It's where the government does control, and you can have crosses and Bibles and preach, and I'm sure a lot of good things can happen. I'm not saying that this is not authentic. It cannot happen, but they do control so much so that I remember here you can't preach about miracles and resurrection. That might have changed now, but ultimately, a state-sanctioned, state-allowed church does not want any other movement or force to be subversive or greater than the government itself. And Pastor Wang preached, the third marvelous thing God did this year is the leader of the three self-church died. And as I watched him preach, and I heard him preach so eloquently, it's eloquent in English, translated. I constantly wonder this question sometime. I go, Am I Christian? I know that guy's, am I a Christian? Am I for real? Well, this week it's gone translated and published to people very directly close to our hearts here at CCSE and people we love. Uh, he wrote 14 resolutions. And he asked his church that if he's ever detained more than 48 hours, so he thought and knew this day would come because he was preaching so boldly like this. Uh, you've got to disseminate and distribute 14 resolutions. Resolution number 11 is, I will persist in sharing the gospel. Quote, I will do my utmost in my detention to practice the gospel commission Unless the police tortures me brutally to the point of crushing my health and spirit. That last phrase, unless the police tortures me brutally to the point of crushing my health and spirit, he repeats several times throughout his resolutions. Now here's what that tells me. I really hooked on to that. It tells me he's realistic, he's not a masochistic guy. It tells me he's not a delusional guy. Say, I'm going to conquer no matter what happens to me. He's actually very, very human. He says, these are my resolutions, but I don't know what the police and government can do to me, but pray for me that I will not break. Resolution number 12 is refusal to accept government-designated defense lawyer. Resolution number 14 is he will demand a public trial. His prayer at the end, which I have edited and summarized, his prayer at the end of the 14 resolutions reads like this. May the Lord bless me with so much reverent fear for him to the point where I am not afraid of any power that does not fear him. He closes with this. I also ask the Lord Jesus to remove the burden and concerns for my wife, family, 
the church and everything else during my detention so that I will entrust everything to the Lord, be faithful only to the Lord, and focus on practicing these 14 resolutions as my longings for in service to my family, as shepherding and teaching my congregation, and as fulfilling my responsibility to the kingdom of God, end quote. Up front, Pastor Wang Yi said, all 14 resolutions are shared down to the last man. Every elder of mine shares this. There's a report of one of his elders who was detained, and his wife wrote him a letter, which I sent to Sunny. We were both so moved. Where she writes in the middle of the night, she cries, not out of panic and despair. It's some kind of cry of joy and relief. And one of the elder's wives asked her kids, do you want to continue to worship God here at Early Rain Covenant Church, which means mommy might be taken away? Or... Do you want to stop worshiping God so that mommy can stay home? And again, this was translated and I read this week. At least those kids chose, we will continue to worship God even if mommy has to be taken away. Now, much of my Christian life, I have wondered, I have cried, I have wrestled. And if in any way this concerns or interests you, let me boil it down to the question, what would you do? I don't know why I always ask myself that question. What would you do? What would I do? I want to tell you, as far as I can tell, this is how you and I at Christ Central can bear witness for the sake of Christ and the gospel and not be so afraid. You know the prayer I just read for you? You might want to go back online and read all the prayer requests that they're writing. And just do this. Read their prayers and learn to pray the way they prayed. Read their prayers and learn to pray the way they prayed. Because here's what I want to tell you, my friends. Do you know that Chinese Christians are not naturally braver, stronger, more valiant than you and I? Do you know that Chinese Christians, by virtue of being a Chinese, that somehow that makes them naturally more bold than you and I? No, I think here's what's going on. I think Chinese Christians right now are just supernaturally more strengthened through prayer. But they're naturally scared and weak, just like you and me. If you and I learn to pray the way that they pray, join in the chorus of prayer, we will be doing exactly what the early Christians did in Acts chapter 4 when they started to get imprisoned and persecuted. And do you know why the early Christians started to pray in Acts chapter 4? They say it in their prayer. They basically said, we're so scared. God, I'm really afraid. And that's why we have to get down on our knees and pray. Because we're naturally weak and afraid people. God can give his supernatural strength and courage. This week has afforded some really, really golden opportunities um, to write my daughters an email and to share with them during family prayer time on Friday night. And here's how I tried to explain it to my screenagers. Girls, when Jesus tells you not to be afraid, I don't necessarily think it means 
that Jesus is going to take away all the awful feelings. I don't think it necessarily means that he's going to let your heart beat slower. I think it's going to beat out of your chest. I think you're still going to sweat. I think your body's still going to want to shake and fall apart. I still think your brain is going to play all kinds of awful tricks on you when you're afraid. But when Jesus tells his people not to be afraid, here's what he means. Don't be afraid of something or someone else so much that you fear and love God less. How? How? How can you never be afraid or be overcome and crushed by anyone or anything else so that you love and fear God less? How? How? I praise Pastor Wang Yi. I praise the elders. But I get a testimony from the scriptures. A deacon went first. A deacon by the name of Stephen. And he preached a sermon that was so vivid and offensive and convicting. People were grinding their teeth and they publicly mobbed him and they were stoning him to death. Do you know how Deacon Stephen endured that martyrdom? Do you know what he saw? It says he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he gazed up into heaven and he saw the Son of the Most High, Jesus Christ, standing up for him. When you and I, in prayer, filled with the Holy Spirit, can see and sense our Lord and Sovereign King who is coming back to make everything right, stand up for you, that's how you can stand up for Him. Even with all kinds of feelings. Shall we pray? I'd like to pray for you. I'd like you to pray for each other. I'd like you to pray for our church, but I'd like you to pray for Chengdu, China. Let me lead us at this time as we celebrate Advent and anticipate his return. Let's pray. Father in heaven, God, we are weak, utterly needy. And sometimes you do have to wake up my sleepy soul through the witness and testimony of people who suffer in real life for you. I pray for every brother and sister here, God, that they would not be overwhelmed. <laughs> we would not be turned away. We would not be crushed. But that we might look deeper and cling harder and look further into Jesus Christ, the Son of the Most High. Oh, Lord, this Christmas season, I pray, God, that you would raise a church who loves and believes and follows you no matter what. And I pray, oh God, that you would reveal yourself more to us no matter what. And we now pray and join with the chorus of hundreds and thousands of cries for the faithful ones being persecuted, imprisoned, threatened, lied to, attacked, beaten, separated from their loved ones, God, would you not let them lose heart? God, would you give them supernatural presence and power from you? God, would you let even the policemen and the government be able to see the mystery of the gospel through the suffering of your children? God, we ask that by your mercy, you might bring about a new revolution 
that comes from your gospel. God, we ask for the entirety of your people throughout China, that they would be bold, bold to have the word continue to spread, bold to bear the name of Jesus Christ, bold to be identified as your followers. We ask it, God, for your glory's sake and because we need it so desperately that by your spirit, your will would be done. Oh, hear us, we pray this day. Let me just give you a couple seconds, a couple moments to pray for yourselves as well. Pray for your families. Pray for our church and continue to pray for China. And then we'll turn to a time of offering and response. Let's pray.